Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Amber. And this is Paul. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of living happily ever after until the evil witch comes and takes away all your stuff. <laughs> this week, Amber is going to lead us on a merry romp down the fabled and dusty and possibly dark and spooky paths of the fairy tale adventure. Ah, joke's on you. There is no happily ever after. That's just when we stop writing. Ah, well, that's always good. The only happily ever afters we get are the ones that Disney gives us. Exactly. Uh, Paul, we haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, what do you? What do you? You should talk some. <laughs> um, remember that in a lot of these fairy tales, the fairies can't act in the human world, so their promises and things like that are to get you to act. Because if they act in the human world, they cause a war in the fairy realm. Not necessarily. There are exceptions to this, actually. Um, if you look at fairy tale stories, you will see there is a consistent thing where at uh, royal christenings, yeah, at those, at royal christenings, fairies would would be summoned to bless the child with gifts. Uh, a big example of this would be Sleeping Beauty where three fairies, in, in the Disney version they were called three good fairies, but as we said way earlier, fairies are neutral. They can be good, they can be bad. They don't really take sides. But as in the case with Sleeping Beauty, three fairies in the land, out of the four that were there, were invited, and they blessed the child. The fourth one heard that there was a christening and wasn't invited. To not invite a fairy to a christening is very, very offensive. You are telling them that you don't acknowledge their presence, you don't respect their power, which is why Maleficent was so upset that she wasn't invited. If you fairy, you can expect bad things to happen. And she cursed the child to die on her 16th birthday. But there are some things where fairies can act, whether good or bad, in the mortal world without being prompted. It's always amazing to me, you know, the, the whole concept of fairies, because today, you know, t the modern conception of fairies is that they are these nature spirits. Or they're Tinkerbell. Yeah, Tinkerbell, right, exactly. Or Yeah, pretty much. In, ba in yeah. Baltimore, uh, where I live, we have this thing called fairy con, and the fairy, you know, the people who show up, you know, they're they're wearing glitter and wings, and they're all, you know. <laughs> it's so funny because, you know, 200 years ago, fairies were not – you never wanted to meet one. You, 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 you wouldn't want to meet one. 
200 years ago, they would be more, okay, I'm going to use the D&D reference here. They, fairies were more like your brownies, your pucks, your spriggans. Well, that's what they are. Well, yeah, but that's what everyone thought they were. Now, today, we basically, what we know as fairies, again, in the D&D Monster Annual, would be things like pixies and sprigs. High wings, kind of elven looking, all cutesy. But but they're not they're not us, and they don't see us as them. They see us as another creature, much the way we we see animals. It, it's not that they're evil. It, it's that's not the feeling I get from from all the readings and stuff on fairies. It's that they have a different sense of life than we do because they're magical. They can do their things. And if side effects happen, you know, because they're magical, you know what I mean? Like, uh, for example, if fairies can live a long time, so for someone to sleep for 20 years is no big deal for them. Oh, I slept for 20 years, whatever. We live a thousand years, no big deal. We do that on a regular basis. But to make a human fall asleep for 20 years, that's horrible. Jesus lost, you know, a fourth of his life. So they're not, it's not that they're evil. They're just, they're just mischief. And... Being that they're not, you know, tied down to the same mortal coil that we are, they're very dangerous to mingle with. I mean, it, it's it's very hazardous for us to mingle with them. Well, yeah, the whole thing with uh, fairy food, it's like if you go to the fairy mound and eat the fairy food, I mean, fairies like to dance and, and play and all that. Problem is, when humans usually eat it, it's an uncontrollable dance, and you literally dance until you die, and you can't stop because it's just how... And the fairies, of course, are like, oh, come on, you're dancing. Why are you, you know, why are you in such a, a fuss? You're dancing. You're having fun. And you're like, I can't stop dancing. I'm going to die doing this. I'll drop dead from exhaustion. And the fairies don't see it that way just because. Or they do, and they just laugh because it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> you know, they think, ha ha, you know, you, you can't keep up with us. You're an ephemeral creature. You dance until you die. So what's the, what's the point? You're going to die anyways. Why not now? Let's, Why not happy? Yeah. Right. Let's let's look at Peter Pan. You know, Peter Pan is this cutesy story for kids and stuff, but there's really a dark, dark element to that whole story. Even the I'm talking about the Disney version. I don't know if there's another version of it, but there's the original one that was written by the author, J.M. Barry. Let's take the Disney version because that one is dark in and of itself. You know, Peter Pan has these kids that he takes to his lair. He's not trying to kidnap them. He's not evil in that way. He, he's not an evil spirit at all. It's just he has a different sensibility about him. He's selfish. Well, he is he, because he's a kid. I mean, all kids are selfish. It's their nature. He has these kids come and they play with him and they live with him. These kids forget their parents. They forget their whole life. I mean, he essentially is kidnapping. He's abducting children. He's not evil because he's not trying to abduct them. That is it's a different mindset altogether. But basically, you know, that's a good example of don't mix with fairies. They're dangerous because they live by a different set of rules. They don't have to live by the rules we live by. And getting involved with them, getting mixed up with them can cause awful things to happen to you, not because they're evil, but just because they're different. Right. They are not humans, and therefore you can't use the same standards with them. In the Peter Pan story, at one point, Tinkerbell is actively trying to kill Wendy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah that's right. She's trying to kill her. 
Yeah, fairies are so small and so intense that they can only have one thought in their head at a time. And if the thought is murder, then this very cutesy little creature is trying very hard to kill you. But because they only have one thought in their head, if they get distracted, then they'll think about something else and they'll totally forget about their ever having a murderous intent. And they'll be right back to the way they were, whether they're playing or having fun or enjoying a dance or whatever it is. There's no morality to them in that sense because they, they don't remember what they just did. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember back in the day when the Time Life books used to be around, I actually got set on fairies. Fairies, when you talk about that is a really broad term because it does cover things we would call elves these days. So depending on your definition, fairies may not actually be little short little things like Tinkerbell. They could be normal human size creatures as well. Uh, and they live in a timeless realm. So for them, the reason, the reason why they live forever, because the, the lands of the Fae, things don't age. Well, they, they might age, they may not age, but it's timeless. These types of creatures can appear in a fairy tale. Yes. If you're going to talk about what happens after the story is over or before the story begins, then you have to understand something of the nature of the creatures that are in the story themselves. But they aren't themselves the makings of a fairy tale. Fairy tales are dramatic structures. And I think that if you find yourself falling into a fairy tale, you're going to find it's a lot different than a normal adventure. Yeah. Because there's, uh, I think think Terry Pratchett called it narrative causality. That is, there's something, uh, oh, actually, let's go, go to the other well, not the final knowledge, because it's not there, but the other place we like to call Abandon All Hope Ye Who Enter It, TV Tropes. Things happen because the plot says it should. Is the really basic description of narrative causality. What happens in fictional worlds? There's a story, and the story's going to go in a certain direction because it's, it's that kind of story, you know? And if you if you get caught up in it, you're going to follow that story unless you can find some way to steer it in a different direction. I was going to say real quick, Bruce, which is something we should avoid in our games because we that's called railroading and we don't want to do that. Yes. <laughs> Except this is a fairy tale and you really can't avoid it in that. Yeah. But at the same time where there are things that are railroading you because it's a fairy tale, there's also forces on the side of the protagonist and the PCs that are going to be there no matter what as an aid as well. So there's there's things to redeem the situation. Yeah. There's things you can count on. Again, if you're genre savvy about this, there's things you know you're going to be able to count on. Yeah, like a million and one chance happens nine out of t- nine out of ten times. So and you always succeed at a million to one ch- million to one uh, chance uh, uh, task, right? The harp will awaken and warn the giant that he's being stolen, but it won't happen until you are close enough to the beanstalk that you might be able to make it out if you hurry and don't wait. Yeah, things or, like that. Or you bring along your tuning wrench. And you detune the harp so you can't play. <laughs> well, no, because the plot hammer or the, 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 the story, dramatic story, says it's, he's going to be able to play anyways. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. 
you have these other things that will help you. On almost every one of these stories, even though bad things happen, there's almost always a way of mitigating it. The true love's kiss, the tears of your lover falling on your eyes, heals the blindness that was caused by the thorns. Oh, there's lots and lots of things that you know, that'll happen. A, a small animal that you gave some food to on your on your windowsill before you left. You know, a bird will suddenly bring a flock of blackbirds to help you in your time of need. It, it, basically, random acts of kindness will be, always be rewarded in fairy tales. Right. If you if you feed the little bird, it turns out the bird's actually a gnome, and the gnomes will come to your will come to your aid if they can. <laughs> or it could be one of those fairies in disguise. That's true. Or if you got the harp and start screaming, you start playing a lullaby on it. It might work. You might be able to put the, 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 the giant back to sleep with a lullaby played on the harp. Maybe being gold is not the only th- attribute that it has. That's one of the conventions. Music soothes the savage beast. You're going to run into the plot hammer. I think that's going to be part of, of doing a... a a fairy tale type story and the players need to know be able to buy in with that knowing however that there's going to be other things that they can turn to yeah, and knowing that in character in character your character can actually break the fourth fourth wall legitimately at that point it's like oh my goodness he's he's going to plant the beans oh <laughs> the npcs are trapped by the the, dr- the dramatic narrative, but you as a PC are immune. Hopefully. You have to find a solution because otherwise, even if you do go, and, like you say, detune the harp, something else is going to happen because the NPCs are still trapped by that. You're going to still have to work within the genre to be able to solve the problem ultimately, but at least you yourself aren't going to find yourself being constantly beat upon by the plot hammer. Yeah. And it's always good to, to do a twist on a story. Uh, Amber mentioned Sleeping Beauty. Uh, I actually was reading up on the, one of the original, one of the earlier versions. It was like seven fairies showed up, and they uh, turned out the reason why the evil. Well, she wasn't called an evil fairy. She was called the old, the old fairy. The reason why she wasn't invited. They all thought she was dead. <laughs> you know, but turns out no, she's still alive, and she and they invite her right on in. Trouble is, they didn't have a gold casket for her to sit in. And therefore, she took umbrage in that. And when it came, when after the sixth fairy did her gift to the to the to the child, she gave her gift to the child, which was, of course, she's going to die. She'll die when she pricks her finger on his, on the spindle of a spinning wheel. And it's up to the seventh fairy to uh, you know do the uh, you fall asleep for a hundred years and sort of thing. I was going to say, what happens if they did invite the old fa- that you know, maleficent in from the Disney version? She would be honor bound to actually to give a proper wish to the child. I mean, this is the way medieval cultures were. So I'm, I can see her now going, Well, my wish is, may you always get your heart's desire. You don't want that. The most evil thing you can give to somebody, but it sounds so nice. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's the threefold Chinese curse. Yes. May you live an interesting life. May people in high places take interest in you. And may all your wishes come true. Yeah. So it's up to the other fairies to, to try to mitigate that. They can't cancel it out. All they can do is mitigate. And she grows up and she basically gets what she wants, no matter what it is. Now your characters encounter this version of Sleeping Beauty. She's 
Well, the kid who could wish people into cornfields. It's a Wonderful Life was the name of the story. You got that person, but she has an entire kingdom she controls. Or she's afraid to use her power because she's sure it's, she's going to get screwed over because every time she's used her power, it's, it's ended up being twisted as a result. And now here's an, something really bad is happening. Something tremendous is going, like, you know, there's an asteroid coming to hit the planet. But, and she could wish it away, but she's afraid to because she's afraid something even worse is going to happen if she does. Yep. Are you going to believe her or are you going to try to convince her to do it anyways because what could be worse than the, the asteroid hitting the planet and destroying it? Hitting the sun and exploding. <laughs> Where do we take this with our other Tritech games? Let's let's um let's talk about like Hardwire Hinterland. There definitely is an environment with a castle. And we're not talking Ensign's Kingdom. Yeah, we're talking a proper <laughs> Disney castle. Right. A mad King Ludwig castle. Yes. Right, with with a dark wood surrounding it. Like yes. um Neuschwanstein Castle. And there's a perpetual cloud hanging overhead. It never leaves. And there's a castle in the cloud, too. <laughs> All right, so for Hardware Hinterland, this is easy. A big bad wolf, you have a wolf guy, because you can have animalistic um, heroes and stuff, villains and, and such. I mean, you could just have a, an intelligent wolf that talks. Right, humiform wolf. Right. Hardwired Hinterland is easy, very easy for all that kind of stuff. If you're listening to this, you've probably heard that already. You know, there's going to be an environs you can go to where you can set up anything you, you want to do. It, it's very easy to do. For Weird Zone, Count Doctor Who had the Big Bad Wolf theme going through that one series. Bad Wolf. You could run a sort of a, a, a Big Bad Wolf theme in that, you know, like everywhere you go, it seems like, you know, all these different, all these different zones you wind up in, these alternate universes you wind up in, you keep seeing references to Big Bad Wolf, and then at some point maybe you pass his castle or his abode or whatever floating past yours, and it's your chance to, to, to resolve it finally. So there's, there's a castle as a zero point floating along is what you're saying. That would actually be kind of cool. We never, we didn't even talk about that at all. Like something like a castle, but that would be badass. Of course, he's used to raiding other places. That's why he has a castle. The first thing you you meet, you meet a fusillade from his cannons. He's firing at you just to soften you up. That's a good opportunity. You know, let's say you're a game master and and you want to reward the players. They, they've been playing for a while. They've been having a hard time of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they they've been doing a good job and everything, and and they've been. You know, putting up with your your stuff as a game master because because Weird Zone could be very diff- could be very very difficult for players. And let's say you do this big bad wolf theme and you you really put them through the ringer. But the big reward is is when they encounter the castle passing by and the castle starts attacking them. And the reason why this would be a big reward is is because if they jump over to the castle and beat the big bad, they're now on that zero point. So now they have a zero point that is this fortified castle that maybe has some really cool stuff about it. This guy has really set his his zero point up nicely. This could be one of these things where, well, if you guys play, it's going to be difficult. But if you if you pull it off, you know, you're going to get a really awesome zero point. Oh, yeah. You'd have to make it where you have all the stops and he's got all these different villains. Well, let's say he has... 
like a cabinet, you open it up three times a day and it's full of food. So you never mm-hmm. go hungry or like a decanter of endless water that you never go thirsty and he has weapons and you know, all that. Yeah. You'd have to really make that adventure just. Oh, Trav, Trav, it, w- it wouldn't be water. It'd be, it'd be, it'd probably be wine, endless wine. No, I like that. Head of the castle would have magical items, which allow him to subsist and not have to worry about, you know, like what other zero point people do and get, oh, you know, okay. have to scrounge. But you yeah, really yeah. have to have a heck of an adventure in order to get that castle. It would have to be a very big mission. Oh, I, I can see it now. His uh, his version of the of the golden harp is actually a robot boombox. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and basically, this is as a GM. You bring along you bring on your iPod and you uh, your iP- your iPhone and you plug it into the speaker and you play different tracks. That's how it talks. It talks in music. <laughs> I'm seeing Soundwave or Bumblebee with the the radio bits from Transformers. Yeah, yeah. As far as interpretations of how stories can go, we can look at current stories that are already out. Specifically, I want to take a moment to mention Mercedes Lackey. She has a series of books, The Five Hundred Kingdoms, where Within these these lands, these five hundred kingdoms, there is a unstoppable magical force that's called the tradition, which which is constantly analyzing everybody and pushing them in the direction of stories, regardless of whether they fit it or not. If a girl is born and there is a unmarried prince the odds are this tradition will try and encourage this girl in some fashion to become the princess, either by driving her parents mad, killing off her father so she becomes a Cinderella, or making her be trapped by a goose by touching it. The tradition will do whatever it takes to get this girl to meet the prince, even if he's six months old, even if he's 72 and sterile, the tradition doesn't care. The tradition only wants fairy tale stories to happen. So if there, so if a miller has three sons, he gives his third son a cat. And those you going, scratching your head going, what? That's the story of Puss in Boots. Right. But the thing about the tradition is it doesn't care about consequences it will drive perfectly non-violent dragons insane wasting away the countryside with their fire breath and their vengeance and their anger because that's what this story requires so within this story the godparent the godmothers are the only defense against this tradition where they can siphon this magical power away from the people that are being affected so these bad things don't happen. So in this case, you would find that the witches are actually a a champion of the human realm. Yeah. Or at least the fairy godmothers. The fairy godmothers, yes. Witches are a different thing. The fairy fairy godmothers are either partially blood fairies, pure fairies, or very special 
humans chosen by fairies to take up this task. And when they get old, they'll take an apprentice to replace them. But it it's what the godparents do to protect their kingdoms from the tradition. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to plug series, I also will plug Terry Pratchett's Disc- Discworld series. It's built entirely on top of uh, all every trope you, ever know, you have ever heard of and ever seen in fantasy novels. And a few more beyond that. And it, the, a lot of the characters are genre-savvy, and they try to make use of that uh, to at least get their way. It, it, uh, Witches Abroad sounds a lot like Mercedes Lackey's uh, books there. Uh, in that one, Granny Weatherwax's sister is running a town according to fairy tales, and she's forcing everyone into fairy tale roles. All toy makers must be fat and jolly and happy. Upon pain of death. And all shoemakers can't feed their children. Yes. Of course, Granny Weatherwax says it right. We all know she would. How do we use this with incursion? I mean, how do, how do we incorporate this stuff into incursion? How can we do like a fairy tale in incursion? Well, Incursion is a science fiction game, so I would say that you the best thing to do would be to use it in some kind of a virtual space. So you mean like like a, like a net type thing, like a matrix type thing? Yes, exactly. Okay. And you can have all the races that are Incursion appearing as some of the fairy tale monsters. And there's a lot of fairy tale type monsters if you look at the Incursion type races. Oh yeah, there's there's talking horses, there's humanoid lizards, there's humanoid the skeletons and the uh, the Nelgak. I mean, yeah, you've got all sorts of anthropomorphic races all throughout the what twelve pages of pictures that Rich put in inclusion. So could you set it up to where like they come to this world and they go down to trade, but you set it up so that they they don't know for sure. Like it's not a hundred percent evident, but in retrospect, when you look back at it, you go, oh, that's what he did. Where they go to like go down to the planet and and something happens and they you know they come out of the shuttle and they're like in an Alice in Wonderland kind of world you know they've got this all this crazy stuff going on you know you got like a, a Cheshire Cat type character you've got a Mad Hatter type character uh, and they're just like what the heck is going on uh, and it turns out that you know they've been hijacked by some AI some crazy AI for, to run them through this kind of thing and then they realize they never left the ship. If you do something like that, you have to set up to where the players can be like, oh, you know, they figure it out. Where they, you got to make it so they can figure it out. And they were like, you know what? We never did get on the shuttles, did we? No, I think they got down there. I think they went down there and they got trapped on the world. Because remember, the Ashani, when people didn't want to play their games, they made them play. Uh, okay, okay, so we could do that, sure. So someone has an old Ashani song box. We're going to sing the song, folks. <laughs> yeah, we have we get you know get to see the ships they're trying to use to make worlds sing and dance. Those ships would have stuff on them that yeah, yeah you don't want to put in, you know people in, in, in anyone's hands. In fact, you don't want to put them in anyone's hands, even the Ashanis, because they're just bad news. <laughs> Actually, I think you still could do a fairy tale story without resulting using cyberspace. As long as you keep the fairy tale elements to an absolute minimum, like you know, tele- the telepathy takes the place of magic, or you know, telekinesis or whatever, 
but the plot line you can literally steal up the plot line from a, a story. I mean, hey, you know, people do it all the time. You know, the Tempest, you know, Tempest made a great movie called Forbidden Planet. Yeah, it's quite possible you could have a story that people will realize halfway through. Wait a second, this is blah blah blah. Look at the original Star Trek. You know, the original series. You know, they they had the fairy tale world they went to with the White Rabbit and yeah. Yeah, it didn't require cyberspace. It was actually fabricated. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is you just to be careful not to cheese it up, you know, because yeah, your players are gonna if they realize they're in Alice in Wonderland and you're you're like really just camping up the whole Alice in Wonderland thing. It depends on your players, you know. Maybe your players are cool with that, but I know I would just be like, really, you put us in Alice in Wonderland? Is that really? Is that what you did? That's why I suggest the cyberspace because you could buy it as a cyberspace type world. Sure. My friend John, when he, he ran us in, in the Alice in Wonderland type world, he did a really good job of it. You know, I have to give him credit because it was Alice in Wonderland-ish, but it, it wasn't the straight tale at all by any means. He let us go completely off the rails with it. He, it wasn't that story at all. There were just elements in there. Like there was a Humpty character, but Humpty wasn't just this – he wasn't just an egg who fell off the wall and the you know all the king's horses and all the king's men and all that kind of thing. He was actually like a villain in this world. He was somebody to be afraid of. He was like a, a, like a gang leader. The queen was this nebulous character. We actually never met her, but apparently she was very, very dangerous and that if you did meet her, it was a very scary thing to do. There was a whole competition where one of the the players was playing a guy named John, which is a variation of Jack, and he wound up becoming the Jack figure in this mythology in the world we were in. So it was really neat. I mean, he just he just did a very good job of blending it in without it being over the top, just straight up fairy tale. You know, that's something you can do. You you can introduce it, create that world, create that environment but not tell that exact story. And I think that's important because I think that's boring to just tell that story over again. You need to, you need to tell it in a different light, like a completely different light. Actually, I think for an incursion, you actually probably could do Jack and the Beanstalk, with a, you know, as you said, with a real Beanstalk, only it's not a golden goose you're looking for. It's a missing white box. Oh, okay. For your ship. Yeah, or something, or something, that, yeah, or you think there may be a rear programmer. It's still, it still be a good thing to get, you know. Uh, but yeah, you know, but you, you can't dock because they won't let you. So you're gonna have to sneak your way from the from the base of the beanstalk up. I mean, you know, now you have to deal with the local culture and all that stuff. You know, no, I'm not a galactic. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Terran. Oh yeah, you met Terrans before. Thank you. Yeah. You can you can switch that up too because you can have uh, you could do a Jack and the Beanstalk type story where you're going after lightning crystals for Hardware Hinterland, or maybe uh, for a Frenchworthy type adventure you're going after crystals, you know, after um, pylon crystals. And you can take other stories and you know, as you said, give them the twist. Uh, I won't reveal what the twist is in Jasper Ford's the the big over easy, but it starts out with Humpty Dumpty being killed, and the twist. I didn't see it coming until until it happened until like about a chapter till it happened, and then I'm going, oh, he's not doing that, is he? And then of course, read the chapter it happens, and oh, he did it. And I hate I'm not going to spoil it for you because it's a great it's a, the 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 over easy the big over easy is a great little novel. Actually, we make we make translate it to the United States. We make actually an interesting Bureau Thirteen. It's the village for fairy tales. 
It may not be in uh, Bangor, Maine, but maybe it's out someplace, and this is where all the rogue fairy tales are kept. So they, they so they can live out their lives and, and be happy and not cause problems elsewhere. <laughs> of course, they still try to do their stories, which is always a problem. So, uh, Paul. Yes, sir. I want Paul and Trav to talk. You guys haven't talked very much. All right, so let's take Jack and the Beanstalk and make it Incursion. Okay. As you said, the Beanstalk is the space elevator that takes people from the ground to the sky and back down again. Okay, that's good. What are your fairies? Well, your fairies are various aspects of the system. The system's got to come to your aid, so some of the fairies might be AIs. Ah. Yeah, some might be helpful, and some might be intrusion countermeasure programs, IECE, like Black Ice. Yeah, I was trying to... But again, that, that works for fairies in the way we've talked about them already, because they're not human, and they can be mischievous, because they don't play by the same rules that we play by. Right, and countering them, their nemesis working against them are analogs to gnomes and dwarves. The city's repair drones. They make things. Yeah, the tanker. Okay, yeah, like the, the tanker gnome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need a tool to get through something, but the AIs won't give it to you. So you bribe the robotic manufacturing, and it makes a key. All right, so let's take incursion. You, you, uh, you're on the Ardana Nu. You go down to the planet, and let's say they impound your ship, so you can't get back up again. Your best hope is to get back. You know, go up the beanstalk. And maybe try and steal a, a shuttle there to get back to your ship. Your ship's in orbit. For whatever reason, you know, this planet's got you in lockdown. There's no way you're going to get back to your ship. They steal your shuttle. Uh, they lock you out. Maybe you landed your shuttle on the beanstalk in space and shuttled down, and then they've locked you down on the planet. So your mission is to get back up the beanstalk to get to your shuttle or to steal a shuttle. Either way. So you need a dragon. You need a dragon. There you go. And your dragon's like like in uh, Cyberpunk. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the genies that you could get. A genie program was something for network operation. You could get a genie that would allow you to run extra programs so that you could cut through the networking system much better. Maybe they use like a dragon. So you get a dragon and he can run extra programs while you're trying to run th- through the net. So as you encounter these fairies on the net, your dragon will help you deal with them. But to do that, you've got to you've got to steal something from the giant. Oh. And the analog for the giant is the city's artificial intelligence. Yes. The 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 control that runs the streetlights, runs the power, runs the water, it does everything. Or in Tron, the MPC the M, M, MPC MCP MCP Master Control Oh, I'm liking this. I'm feeling a whole Tron adventure on top of it. So you can use all kinds of fantastical creatures that that the counter to your dragon is griffins. You have to run a gauntlet of griffins to get your dragon to carry you back into space. Sweet. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's pretty cool. I can see that you could run this as a side-by-side. One person's doing the hacking and they do the hacking, and then you have in real life, okay, we've hacked and gotten into the system. We get up here, okay, we need to hack back into the system to get past this point. And you can go in between cyberspace and real time and give everybody, you know, you have your gun bunnies 
fighting their way through something. Meanwhile, you got the hacker with his things hacking to get in and either stop what's firing at you or to get past a certain point. Yeah, I could see, you know, the switch off on that so everybody gets what Bruce calls their spotlight time. Yep, absolutely. That and you can also take a couple of different fairy tales and pour them all together in the same bowl. So the Red Queen of Alice in Wonderland is up against the evil queen of Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty, thank you. Versus the Ice Queen, who wants to just freeze everything in place and make it her way forever. Maybe you have program types. Okay, so you have dragons, which are a certain type of program. Maybe you have queens, which are a certain type of AI. When they have the title queen, it means a certain thing about them. Maybe they control certain sectors of, uh, of cyberspace. The Ice Queen is the intrusion countermeasures equipment. Sure, sure, sure. Right, exactly. So maybe you have to go up against the Ice Queen to get through. Or it could just be a fancy name. Wasn't the Red Queen the name of the artificial intelligence from Resident Evil? Yes. Gone up against her in role-playing games, too. That sucked. Oh. Of course, <laughs> the White Queen could be could be this horrendous Ashani uh, AI, white box AI you got to deal with. You know, we can this incursion, Hardwire Hinterland, Bureau 13. Uh, Fringeworthy is obvious. I mean, you just go to a world where this is going on. That, that, Fringeworthy is probably the easiest thing to stick it into. Well, you use Fringeworthy if you want it to be literal. In Incursion, there's a scene where they, you know, the, the fairies are... Analogous. Yeah. Now, Peter, the peril of doing Fringeworthy is if it's a prime world, that means second you step through onto the alt... You're in a story, even though you're not in the world. Yeah, absolutely. If it's something like the tradition, if your characters are being coerced by a magical force into a story, how do they react to it? I mean, what's going to happen when you find out that you are Popper in Prince and the Popper, you know? The prince looks just like you, and he wants to trade spots for a day. Or you get stuck with the uh, humorous sidekick role. Hey, the upside, though, is is that if you have a magical character, you are definitely in a node where you can use magic. Oh, yeah. Where fairy tales exist, so does magic. I mean, the only ones I can think of we haven't covered, you know, like Beach Bunny, Bimbos with Blasters. The Roger Rabbit movie? There's just a part of me that thinks that somewhere there's going to be a toon town, but it's going to be a fairy town. Just this little segmented section where everything happens here. This is where they all are. Yeah, that's a TV show. Filmed in Vancouver. Comes on weekly. Once upon a time. The town is Storybrook. And not at all like the, the comic book fables. So, uh, I guess, you know, we should probably wrap this up. What what are the biggest elements we should take from this? From from the whole fairy tale genre playing in any role-playing game, but especially playing in Tri-Tech games, what are the big important things to remember? Well, it is a story. It is a game where the rails can come on, but you as a player do have the options of derailing the train. We also know that the story will reward cleverness, and that's something that everybody who's a player could bring to an RPG. Also, it rewards kindness. This has actually been one of the hallmarks of Tri-Tech Games is that we reward people for being good people 
instead of being bad people and killing people. This is where if you do good deeds, even to bad people, you can get rewarded for those deeds. I mean, that that's kind of the heart of, of everything I've seen come out of Rich's, you know, out, out of Rich's design. He has always been an advocate for rewarding players for being virtuous. As a matter of fact, that was one of the things that broke him very much differently from D&D. You didn't get experience for killing monsters. You got experience for not killing anybody. You got the most experience for that. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you could get it. Right, of course. You could get experience for killing monsters, but you got more experience if you didn't have to kill anyone. Like, I seem to remember, like, it, I forget what it was, but there's some insane, ridiculous amount of experience points you could get if you didn't fire a shot. It was like 5,000 experience points, over 300 if you just beat the monster. Right. And didn't kill him, didn't even attack him. Yeah. Like John said, you know, being nice, coming up with a different solution where you don't have to kill anybody, that is a big win in the Tri-Tech system. Yeah. Though Disney deaths are almost irregular, though, the big bad will fall off a cliff. Look at every Disney movie. They fall off a building or fall off a cliff. Literally. I think the only person who probably did was Ursula. No, she got sucked in by a uh, whirlpool. So, yep, she had Disney death, too. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those ones where you got to do a lot of preparation work if you're the GM. You know that you're going to have supernatural elements. You know that there's going to be beings of great, immense power that may appear to be just normal people. You know that there's going to be people of questionable motives that they're not all going to be virtuous people that are, are going to be put upon by an evil overlord, but the people themselves are always going to be flawed. You are a protagonist, but you may not be the hero of the story. It's not necessary for the hero of the story to be the protagonist. You know, Cinderella, she, she basically doesn't do much other than let people do things for her. So protagonists are the people who do things. Remember, you may not be the focus of the story, you're, but you're there to make sure the story happens. So, Trav, you're you're our big Bureau 13 guy. How would you – like, what, what do you think from a Bureau 13 standpoint, what would you do with the whole fairy tale thing? If you were um, – you decide you're going to run a fairy tale adventure, how would you or, – or even a campaign, even like a whole camp – like, heck with it. I'm going to devise a, a campaign. A whole urban fantasy fairy tale campaign. That would be interesting because it would be it would be urban fantasy. And like we discussed before, the big bad wolf could be like a corrupt cop. Him and his cronies could be all lycanthropes. I'm not keen on the crime boss idea. I just they're they're not quite hands-on enough. Right. And you'd have like various little supernatural creatures. You could have them as in the background, supernatural creatures, or you could just have human analogs who have taken on those roles, like uh, a woodland creature that would help you would be like a street person or like a merchant or something. You could do it as supernatural background, or you could do it as the people are normal, but just take on those, yeah, roles. I was about to say archetypes, but not quite. Aspects? Yeah, thank you. Aspects, thank you. You would probably want to go more of a supernatural route because that's the stock and trade of Bureau 13, that the supernatural is out there. 
you don't want to get too preachy with the morals because, you know, all these fairy tales do have morals. I mean, you want to have the feel-good type of ending that you've accomplished something, but you might also want to throw in every so often the darkness because Bureau 13 does deal with a lot of darkness there. I mean, there's evil out there. Yeah, Bureau 13, they're trying to be good guys and they're trying to be secret. Combat is often a last resort. But there are some times in that type of urban fantasy fairy tale campaign, you're going to have to be pretty grim and, you know, pardon the pun and, you know, bang, bang, you know, after the bad guy every so often. So, yeah, an urban fantasy fairy tale-esque campaign would be a very unique idea for Bureau 13. You could pull it off a number of different ways and it could all still have that fairy tale convention to it. I do like that idea. I don't know if I'd ever, you know, be able to pull that off, but yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> but there's this game system out there called Seven Leagues, and it's based on the fact that you are in out of fables and stories. Living in the real world. You can set whenever you want to. You can set even modern times. A lot of folks do it during like uh, 1700s and 1800s. But yeah, you could set it in the 2000s if you want to. And you're a fable. You are trying to live in the world and not get found out. So you could set this as a, uh, a Bureau 13 type of thing, or you could even, I mean, if you really want to put like a crazy twist on it, you know, it's like, yeah, you're these fable things, but uh, you're in the um, the weird zone. So, and that means it could come from any time. So you, you could be in your keep from the 1500s. And next thing you know, you're, you're traveling through the weird zone. No, I, I, I just have the vision of my head as, you, as you're traveling along in your zero plot. And you look over and you see a straw house, a stick house, and a brick house, <laughs> a little lean-to, and there's the wolf and the three pigs living together, stuck on a zero plot going the other direction. <laughs> Wonder what they've encountered. <laughs> Why is the wolf living amongst, amongst them? But that would be one of the things where you're like, I got to go over and investigate. <laughs> I need to know. Don't bring bacon, though. That's very bad. Kate. That's very bad for him. <laughs> oh. So, Amber, you want to wrap this one up? Put a bow on it and call it Spot. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, we could click our heels and say there's no place like home. <laughs> uh, we could uh, follow the what was it for Peter Pan? The star to the left of the Northern Star. Second star on the right. Second star on the right. There we go. We could follow that until morning. Follow the yellow brick road. And we all can live happily ever after. But we don't live happily ever after, because thanks to BP, Ariel's economy is dying. (laughs) 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 And I want to say that in A Wizard of Oz, the red brick road might have been more interesting than the yellow brick road. Because if you if you noticed, there was a red brick road spiraling out of that as well. It goes to the red light district. The road not taken. It goes to the red light district. <laughs> oh, I oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's you meet the leather guys league. The only thing that I can really say about fairy tale campaigns is that dreams and wishes really do come true. Until they don't, in which case the dice are going to kill you. Yes, it will happen to you. This is Bruce Sheffer saying, 
There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. And this is Paul. When you remove the pin, Mr. Grenade is no longer your friend. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.